Hey, this is Joseph Massonary. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope this helps you build your faith. I hope in some way that God will challenge you with a new perspective as you listen. Enjoy the message. It's an exciting, wonderful, wonderful time to be in God's presence, isn't it? Before we begin this morning, you know where we've been. We've been on this series called Heaven, uh, talking about how we view eternity. And we've been speaking a little bit about who we get to spend eternity with, what it's going to be like. But this morning, before we even begin, there is a a wonderful family visiting. And uh, maybe if you've been in our church long enough, you may have recognized that Keddy Castillo, Keddy Castillo, mi amor, would you stand, Keddy? We, we love you. We love you. And she laid, you know, there aren't many women that, that get away with kissing us, huh, Dad? And when Keddy does it, I just, I need another one, right? Like, I don't know, cut that out of the video feed. I don't, that sounded weird. Um, and then also her amazing son, Mikey, was, you remember Mikey on guitar, anybody? Um, and his wonderful, beautiful bride, Wendy Bird. Wendy. And also, uh, when you guys moved away across, you would have been, goodness, it was 2015. And I cried like a baby when your dad wasn't going to play guitar with us anymore. Um, so did Mama Wendy. And you were 11. And now you are 17. And you are six, seven, six, eight. You have grown like three feet since you left. Look at this guy. And you know, something that's really cool is they came back and they're spending a little family time in town, but this young man um, who hasn't been with us since he was 11 is, is going to get baptized today outside. And so um, it's exciting. And Pastor Gray's gonna, gonna lead that, and I know what a wonderful privilege. And hey, maybe after this message, there will be more people that want to get baptized. We're open to that. We can just go for it. But we are wonderfully, we're privileged that you guys are visiting with us. It's been too long. And uh, if, if you've been in church, we enjoyed having Mikey back on guitar for a Sunday, right? Anybody? Amen? Well, that's it. Would you open your Bibles to John chapter 10? And we're going to look at verse 10 for a brief moment. But how many of you are ready to get into Scripture today like never before? We've got a lot of Scripture for you. We've been studying heaven. And last week we did a total turnaround and we looked at the alternative. Um, we, 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 We don't talk about these things very often, but we've been speaking about heaven. And last Sunday, if you were with us, I encourage you to go check out the message online. It's archived. But we actually spoke about the other option. And that is the option that we have uh, uh, to spend eternity away from the presence of Jesus, the presence of God, that other option being hell. It was a tough message. I think sometimes when we speak about heaven and hell, that always puts us on the edge of our seat. But one thing that, that, that I want you to take away when we talk about hell, there was something that, that I felt like God wants to speak to people clearly in this generation right now, is that our loving God the Father never sends a good person to hell. Do you know that, church? We talk about these things, and that's always kind of a, 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 tough, a, a tough subject for people. But in fact, hell is, is releasing a sinner 
to live with that which they want most. It's releasing them to live with their sin. The Bible says if you choose your sin over the sacrifice of Christ, then God the Father is just and he will allow you to have your sin forever. The Bible says that God desires, don't let the world deceive you, church, right? We, we get so hung up on what culture says about God. You know what scripture says? He, he wants everyone to come to know him. The Bible says that God desires that all will come to him. Look at John chapter 10. It says, but there's a thief. There's a robber. There's the enemy. It says the thief comes to what? To steal and to kill and to destroy. But look at what, what Jesus says. I come so that you might have life. And not just life in general in a sense that you get through. But I come that you might have an abundant, a blessed, a good life. That you would have life to the full. As we continue to talk about eternity, it's important because the common theme, and it's listed right above heaven, right? It's important to talk about eternity because how we view eternity will shape our todays. How we view forever will shape our reality right here, right this minute. We're going to get into our message and redirect, and we're going to go back to heaven. We've left hell. Are you okay? Is it all right? We're going to go back to heaven this morning. Does anybody remember... Oh, goodness. And, and I know some youngsters. Uh, the, the very first movie, I think it was the Wizard of Oz. Was, was that the first movie that was shot in color? Is that correct? And, and is anybody with me? I remember seeing this on like TNT or TBS or something as a kid. Is there anybody here that when I was a child and I was first exposed to the Wizard of Oz, I'll be honest, that green witch just scared the heck out of me. It wasn't like that Broadway show Wicked Today where Alpha Buzz, the good guy, you know, today every bad guy is somehow the good guy and misunderstood. No, no, no. She was the Wicked Witch of the West. Remember her saying to Dorothy, I will get you. Can anybody give me your best Wicked Witch impression? I'll get you, my pretty, right? <laughs> right? Freaked me out. Even the lion was creepy. Is anybody else? And the scarecrow. All, it was all creepy. All of them were creepy, right? The whole movie itself, right? I don't know what, like, the, then the, the flying monkeys. Oh, for real. Oh, wee, oh, oh. And then, the, then when the, the witch melted, and I just blew the ending for you. But if you haven't seen it, it came out before any of us were born in this room. So you need to see it. But there was this line in the movie spoken by this young act, actress. Her, her role was, the character she played was Dorothy. And do you remember in, in, in color, she had those sparkly red shoes. And she made the comment... There's no place like, finish it off for me, there's no place like home, right? She'd click her heels together and there's no place like home, there's no place like home. Now we all may not have the same idea of home because maybe the homes we were raised in uh, <laughs> looked a whole lot different than what maybe some of us would consider a healthy or wholesome home. But in the best of families, in a, in a healthy family situation, Home should evoke a type of emotion that brings comfort. When you think of home in a healthy type situation, in a healthy upbringing, it should be a place where you are free to be you. You are, are, are safe, where you feel you belong, where you feel love, where you feel secure. A place where you can totally be yourself. Uh, it, it, home should be, when we think of home, there's no place like home. Going home. I think those are the emotions that we think of if home was a, a healthy place. Amen? But we're going to talk about going home for those that are in Christ. 
going home for the believer and what it will look like and sound like and, and, and feel like when we are home with Jesus. In that moment where we breathe our last breath or in that moment where we, we either we, we go, uh, we, we, we enter and see Jesus face to face through death or through the rapture, whatever it may be. But I want to look at this encounter that Paul had. And would you open your Bible? Uh, we're going to start off. Let's quickly surf around Scripture today. But 2 Corinthians chapter 12. There's this encounter where the Apostle Paul records, how could we say it, really being at a loss for words. Which if you know Paul, and, and he writes quite a bit of the New Testament, there aren't many times where he is speechless. Right? Words, uh, he is, words are, are his profession. He's an expert communicator. He is a wordsmith. He's a master of multiple languages. He's the smartest guy in every room he walks into. That is Paul. And in this dream, in this experience that Paul has, many believe this, this encounter took place during his first missionary journey but Paul writes about this experience that we had that he had and when he mentions heaven here Paul is is referring to remember we, we spoke about how heaven can refer to the stars or it can refer to creation in some translations but in most when we've been looking at heaven we're talking about being in the presence of God are we all tracking this morning so that's kind of the, the putting it down let's look at what Paul writes about in this encounter that he has with God the Father. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, would you read along with me? This boasting will do no good, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. I was caught up in the third heaven 14 years ago, whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know, only God knows. Verse 3, he says, yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise. And I heard things so astounding, they cannot be expressed in words. I heard things that were so astounding, I, I can't even begin to express them. Things no human is allowed to tell. It's amazing, Paul is beginning to describe this encounter with the presence of God. Uh, we, could, we could say the, the one human besides Jesus that has encountered God, right? And he, he can't even begin to do it justice. And you think of Paul, this is a man that on the road to Damascus, his life radically changed. He knew the power of God. Somebody say amen, right? In today's culture, right now, right this minute, you know who Paul would be? He'd be one of, those, one of those Taliban soldiers in Afghanistan. That's who he would be. He'd be one of those guys. Paul had this, he was, he was hunting down and killing Christians, right? And sometimes it's so, isn't it hard to pray for our enemies? When you think about like the power of what we, our prayer, but we think about it, that would be like Paul, that would be like what we would see today, this radical conversion of a killer, this radical conversion of a terrorist out to hunt people down. And Paul comes to the Lord. He, he, he experiences the power of God in a mighty way. And he writes about it and he says, what I saw in paradise, would you underline that? Would you circle that in your Bibles? What I heard, he said, I don't have the words to express the presence of God. I can't even begin to tell you, church, 
in Corinth, I can't even begin to tell you how astounding it is. Right in scripture we read, no, no eye can see, no ear uh, can hear, no, no one can understand, no heart could fully know what God has in store for those that love Christ. Through scripture we can glimpse just a, a tiny bit of heaven and I hope that's what scripture does for us today but before we get into it could we bow our heads and let's just ask the Lord to move let's pray Heavenly Father God we invite your Holy Spirit to move among us God we invite your truth to challenge us your word to maybe correct us God help us to loosen our grip on the things of this world to lessen our love for the world and God to anticipate our home the glory of our home in heaven with you God, that we would live in such a way that we would have eternity on our mind more and more today. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Can everybody say amen? Can 11 o'clock be a little louder? Can you say amen? So it's an intimidating topic, right? Because if Paul tells us that this experience he's had with God, it was so astounding, I can't begin to put it into words. Let me just tell you, no matter what I say today, it will not do heaven justice. Do we catch that? Right there is, there's, no matter what we, what, it's intimidating to go into a message and try to deliver a message with clarity and conviction, knowing that no matter what we say, we will come up short. Because we, we, Scripture just gives us a glimpse. But as Paul writes, we cannot do justice. But I want to look at a little bit, or a lot of bit. Is that even a word? A lot of bit. Let's look at a lot of bit of what the Bible has to say about heaven. Number one, the first thing, and, and we're going to jump into this. Do you have your notes, your smartphone, pen and paper? Let's get it out. I always feel like I learn more when I take notes. So get your notes out. Get your thumbs ready to get, get, get your thumbs burning. But number one, Scripture tells us that heaven is promised. Heaven is a promise that God's people can look forward to. Do you know that? Heaven is a promise. Jesus himself said, look at John chapter 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Jesus said, believe in God, believe also in me. He is talking about heaven, this place that he is preparing. He is promising heaven for those that believe in him. You know the interesting thing about Jesus, we said this last week, that he, he spoke a lot about heaven, but he even actually spoke a lot more about hell. And I don't know about you, but denying heaven and or denying hell is basically just settling into a, a thought process that you would acknowledge if you deny heaven and you deny hell you're, you're basically calling Jesus a liar and so to deny one or the other I got to tell you we would just be wasting our time here this morning and just call it what it is if if we deny heaven then Jesus and all that he is about and all that he was about would be a lie because he spoke about heaven quite a bit there are the words of John. Would you open your Bibles to what I think is one of the most complicated, exciting, and scary sections of Scripture? Book of Revelation, chapter 21. We flip it back to the very end, just a couple more chapters. Revelation, chapter 21. And there's some words penned by this, this man named John. He was exiled to the island of Patmos. 
He had a vision given by the Spirit of God, and he records this revelation that God had given to him. Revelation chapter 21. Are you there, church? All right, let's read it together. Starting in verse 1, John says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. You can underline that, circle that. We might get to this a little bit more in coming weeks. But for the first time, heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea, John writes. I saw the holy city. The new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. You want to know what heaven's going to be like? Look at verse 4. It says this, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. He says, there will be no more death, John writes. There will be no more mourning, no more crying. There will be no more pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Would you circle that, underline that in your Bible? I am making everything new. New. So often we look forward to a new body, less pain. We, we, we focus on us, right? But he says, I am making everything. Turn to someone on your left and just annoy them and say everything. Just shout it in their ear, right? Just wake them up. Say everything. I am making everything new. Those who are victorious because of Christ will inherit all of this. And I will be their God. Revelation chapter 21 introduces us to this this, this new, it, it, it's mentioned for the first, up until Revelation, it was, it was kind of mentioned prophetically in Isaiah. But up until Revelation 21, we, we know Christians, uh, Christians who have died, Christians, even those right now who have passed away, they have in the past and they are currently experiencing heaven right now. But this heaven mentioned in Revelation chapter 21, it's, it's different then this, 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 this new heaven is, is different mentioned here. It's this heaven that is declaring, uh, John is, he is writing this, this heaven that once human history has ended, when human history comes to an end as we know it, when it's completed, when God writes that final chapter, this new heaven, scripture says, will descend upon a new earth. I am making everything new declares the Lord. Maybe we can cover this more in weeks to come, but there is so much to look forward to when we talk about this place called heaven that God is preparing for his people. So the first thing I want to just just get it out of the way right now and we understand. Number one, did you get it? Did you write it down? Heaven is what? Heaven is promised. Number two, we're going to stay here for a little while longer today. Number two, in heaven, everything will be new. Would you write that down in your notes? In heaven, everything will be new. How many of us love that new car smell? How many of us lo love new anything, right? A new shirt fits the right way. A new pair of kicks. A new pair of shoes fit the right way. A, a new house. It doesn't matter if it's something. A new toothbrush is awesome, right? Would you agree? I wear those suckers out till there's like black mold on them. No, I'm, I'm kidding. But no, I don't. <laughs> well, I kind of do. <laughs> I'm kidding. A new anything rocks, right? 
Bible says that I am making everything new. I think sometimes there's this misconception that we, I, I, we think culturally about heaven and we think about what culture tells us and we, we, we tend to forget about what God's word promises us. Has anybody seen that movie Tangled? Remember that movie Tangled? I tend to think of heaven and I think of that old guy at the end who's, who's floating around, the, the old guy, I think of the old guy at the end of Tangle wearing that like old diaper and that old robe and playing a harp. Right? Sometimes we think of heaven and, and we think of like, am, am I just up there and it's the, it's the Michelangelo, the angels in the robes and the harps. And some of us are like, that doesn't sound fun at all. Right? Maybe you're here this morning and you've always wanted to be that guy in the robe and the harp. I don't know. But to me, that doesn't sound too amazing. But I think sometimes we have this misconception because of the Ten Commandments, whatever it is, that culturally we want, that we want to fall into this trap that culture tells us, you know, God is just a killjoy. God doesn't want you to have any fun. He doesn't want you to experience anything. Right? We kind of walked through that in our series on the Ten Commandments. And, and remember that anytime God surrounds us with offense, it is not to keep us in. It's to keep unholy things from getting in. Right? And it is, it is to keep us to, to be protected. So as last week, we, we saw that heaven is the absence of everything evil. There's a, a lie from our enemy, the father of lies, the deceiver, the dark angel. And that is this misconception that heaven is so boring that it's not really worth living for. It's not worth really living for. It's not worth giving for. It's not worth your time and energy because, man, earth is just where it's going on. Earth is number one. It's what's happening. And we think about it when we talk about all of the gifts that we have on earth. We're going to look at scripture in just a minute. And it tells us that we are getting just a glimpse. If there's something you enjoy on earth, Bible's saying that, man, you, we only get a little glimpse of that Enjoyment, whether it's your, your favorite restaurant, anybody have a favorite restaurant? I got like five favorite restaurants, right? Depending on the day. The ability to, whether it's the ability to taste, how many of you enjoy, I know a few people that they enjoy like being out in nature, whether it's hiking Red Rock, hiking Zion National Park, seeing the beauty of what God created, getting out and experiencing His creation. Well, Revelation chapter 21 starting in verse 15, gives us just a glimpse. And, and for time's sake, we're not going to read all of it. But if you would read verses 16, 17, 18, 19, go on a couple verses. It begins to describe just how beautiful heaven is going to be. And it starts off, look at this in verse 15. It says, the angel who talked to me, John wrote, he said, he held in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure the city to measure its gates, to measure its walls. And the verses immediately after that you could read about on your own, it talks about walls being made of jasper. It talks about cities as pure as gold. It talks about gates of pure pearl. It, it talks about unimaginable, unequivocal, incomparable beauty that exists in heaven that we can't even begin to imagine. And when we talk about, when we get into scripture, when we have these emotions that God has blessed us with, whether it's laughter and humor, whether it's, it's, it's the, the feeling of love, the feeling of even tears. The Bible says it's just a glimpse of what's to come. Look, look at 1 Corinthians right here. It says, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. Look at what Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He says, on earth we see things imperfectly. Right? So think of the most beautiful thing you've seen on earth. Right? 
Think of the, the most beautiful thing you've laid eyes on. It says you still have seen it imperfectly, like puzzling reflections. Just reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything perfect. And he says, in heaven we will see it with clarity. All I know now is partial and incomplete, but Paul says, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. And then he says this, would you write these three things down this morning? These three things will last forever. He says, your faith. He says, your hope and love. Reality is, when we see Jesus, when we meet Jesus, our eyes will be opened and we will see him for who he is in his fullness and his goodness. We will see perfectly for the first time. 1 John chapter 3 says, Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him who he really is. We will see Jesus face to face. So another thing, would you write this down? In heaven, everything will be new. We will have, <laughs> everything will be new. The Bible says this, in heaven we will have new, we will have perfect bodies. How many of you are, are no longer in your teen years or your 20s? Right? Right? Some of us, right? And teenagers and 20-year-olds in the house, enjoy it. Enjoy that hair while it lasts. Enjoy that six-pack while, enjoy it. Right? I'm telling you what. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says this. Verse 50, what I am saying, Paul writes, dear brothers and dear sisters, is that our physical bodies, this body that you have right now, this person sitting next to you as well, these bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God, writes Paul. These dying sinful bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will be transformed. I can't begin to explain and get into completely what that promise of transformation looks like, right? But it says, we will be transformed. And look what it says in verse 52, it will happen in a moment. Boom, it will happen in a moment. In the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown, for when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed, for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die, for our mortal bodies will be transformed. Do you ever read Paul and you just got to keep reading it over and over again? Do that when you leave church today, this week, right? He just keeps going and going here. Then, in verse 54, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up. If you know this scripture, would you say it with me? Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? That's a lot of words from a very intelligent person. Paul, like I said, was the smartest man in the room, in every room he walked into. If I was going to pick apart those, those five verses, there's a lot that he just said in 1 Corinthians. But you know how I'd explain it? From, from when he, Our bodies transformed into bodies that will never die. Scripture, this and that, and this and that. You know what that means? I had a grandmother named Frances Massonary that in my teen years, I remember being told that she had Alzheimer's. So when we look at this scripture in 1 Corinthians, bodies that will be raised and transformed, ready to live forever, our dying bodies must be transformed. 
I remember this, this was, a, uh, when I was a kid, I remember her playing piano a little bit, but I had heard she was even more amazing than anything I had seen. She would destroy everybody she knew in Scrabble. I mean, really, she, she would. My, their, my dad's family was weird. They liked Scrabble. Who likes Scrabble, right? No, I'm kidding. But she would destroy everyone in Scrabble. She was amazing on the keyboards. And she developed what we know as Alzheimer's disease. And I remember in my teenage years, I would hear stories of this brilliant mind, this brilliant woman. And we would just watch as her mind would begin to fade. Maybe some of you in here, you've walked with a family member a mother, a father, a loved one who has suffered through dementia and you've walked down that road. You know what scripture is saying in 1 Corinthians 15? According to scripture, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dumb it down Joey style because I can never understand what Paul is talking about. But according to scripture, that means your grandma, your grandpa, that loved one who suffered, it means their body is now made whole. It means their mind is now renewed. It means their hair is now back. Some of you in here say amen to that, right? It means that, that, that is what, the, according to the writings of Paul, we could go down the list. It means your mother is cancer free. It means your son is cancer free. It means your, your father in heaven right now is, is standing up taller and straighter. Sometimes we think of these big problems like cancer and things but you know what it even looks like that it, it could be a small thing maybe you're somebody that you it deals with like horrible migraines or horrible stomach issues whatever it may be and it, what, what Paul is saying your physical battle whatever it may be in heaven it will be made perfect in every way that's what Paul is, is writing to us. He's saying in heaven there's going to be no more death. There's going to be no sorrow. There's going to be no more sin. There will be no more stress. How many of us are stressed? He says there's going to be no more fear. There's going to be no depression. There's going to be no more racism. There's going to be no more anxiety. There's going to be no more heartache. There's going to be no more divorce. There's going to be no more injustices. In heaven it will be absent. There, there will be no sin. No more, no more going to the bathroom at 3 a.m. in the morning. Right? Late 30s, that's been fun, right? It's, what happened? In heaven there will be no more pain. Get back on track. Everybody's going to remember that. We don't want to remember that. In heaven it is, would you write this down in your notes? Heaven is the absence of evil. So whatever you, you think about heaven, I'm, I'm trying to describe it. I'm trying to take Paul's words and put it, simplify it a little bit, but basically whatever we think about heaven, whatever that scripture is trying to communicate us to about heaven, just know one thing, it will actually be even better than you think. Because the Bible says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has in store for those who love him. Isaiah chapter 65, you want to know what heaven is like? Look at this prophetic word from the prophet Isaiah. We could just end service here. Isaiah 65. Would you read it with me? Look, I'm creating new heavens and a new earth, and no one will even think about the old ones anymore. Be glad, rejoice forever in my creation. And look, I will create Jerusalem as a place of happiness. Her people will be a source of joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and delight in my people. Here we go. What's heaven like? The sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. The sound of weeping and crying will be heard in my city no more. 
Verse 20, no longer will babies die when they're only a few days old. How does that look for us today? No longer will we see images of babies being passed over walls to soldiers because the heartache that awaits them behind those walls is far worse than just letting your child go. No longer will adults die before they have lived a full life, Isaiah writes. No longer will people be considered old at 100. I like that. Only the cursed will die that young. Verse 21, look at it with me. It says, In those days people will live in the houses they build and eat the fruit of their own vineyards, unlike the past when invaders. We look at, like, you, you look at every atrocity known to man. Usually it has something to do with land or money, doesn't it? The things that we have done that are evil, the things that we have seen that are evil, usually it is, it is, it is a selfish ambition that exists in us. Like we said last week, we aren't good at our core. Unlike in the past, invaders will not take their houses and confiscate their vineyards. For my people will live as long as trees and my chosen ones will have time to enjoy their hard work. They will not work in vain. Let this scripture sink in. Their children will not be doomed to misfortune for they are blessed people. Let's skip ahead to verse 25. I love this. It says, the wolf and the lamb, when things aren't broken, they will feed together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. But the snakes will eat dust, Isaiah writes. In those days, no one will hurt or be destroyed on my holy mountain. I, the Lord, have spoken. Number three. Would you write this down as we close this morning? Heaven is your home. Heaven is home. It's home. When we look around and, and culturally, we, we, every generation has battles that they take on. You can look at the, the history of our nation. Every generation has their stuff, right? The things that we go through. And so often it's important for the believer to begin to look at the things surrounding us differently than what culture sees. We need to be careful that we are, are not carrying far too much about what culture seems to be caring about, caring far too much about what I own or what I look like or what I need now or what's in my, my bank account. We, we need something in our bank account, clearly, right? But at the end of the day, when we talk about eternity, the Bible says this, the culture is set, their mind is set on what? Earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. If you are in Christ, if you have declared the name of Jesus, then the Bible says that you don't have citizenship anymore on this earth. You don't have citizen anymore, citizenship anymore, in fact, even in this country. Because heaven is your home, our citizenship is where? Our citizenship, our focus is in heaven. We we're not meant for this world. Look at what it says in Philippians chapter, uh, verse 20. Our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there. Would you turn to someone and say heaven is your home? Heaven is your home. Our life here, the Bible says, it's but a mist. It's a mist that fades away. Is there anybody here in Las Vegas, you've been here for a while, and you've tried to do your things with like misters in your backyard? Anybody? Anybody? 
whether it's the calcium in our water, it just never tends to work, does it? It lasts for a little while, might last for a couple months, but think of like wet and wild or a place where we've tried to, you try to get some, some solid misters to cool yourself off, right? The Bible says that our life is like that mist. And you think of Las Vegas, that mist goes through the air. And in a moment compared to God, that mist just vanishes. It just fades. The Bible says we are here for a moment and then we are gone. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last what? Forever. The things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. I was thinking about this even in our own country. Uh, can anybody just off the top of your head, no cheating, who, who's like the 22nd president? Can you shout out their name? Right? I was thinking about this the other day. When we talk about things that last forever, we live, to me, in the greatest country, the greatest democracy, the greatest experiment in, all, in the history of mankind. And there's only been how many presidents, and I can honestly tell you, I don't know who the 22nd president was. I don't really care. I don't know what he accomplished, and I don't really care what he accomplished. Right? I mean, I guess. I mean, if I went back and looked at it, like, is there anybody here that, like, it's like, and I think that is the, the, the most powerful position of the most powerful, influential country in the history of humanity. But our lives are but a vapor. Can we say it like this? If we're doing something that's not really going to matter in a hundred years, why are we stressing out over it? Right? If we're, if we're, if we're, if we're, if we're doing something that's not going to matter. I, I have this, you might be wondering what, I, I put this rope up here and it wasn't to, to rope in the, the worship team. But I was trying to, I, I listened to Pastor Francis Chan and trying to get an idea when we talk about how scripture describes eternity. And I want to just imagine for a moment that this rope on the floor here it represents God's timeline. If we can somehow begin to understand eternity, right? No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart can fully even understand what God has in store for those who love him. But I want to imagine that this, this rope, it's, it's, it's God's history, right? It's God's timeline. And there's this little section in the middle that I want you to imagine even this side. This represents everything before humankind. And this rope goes all the way to the back. And it's a wonderful tug-of-war rope. It's like 100 feet long. But let's imagine that it's not 100 feet long. For just the sake, you can't see where it ends, can you? Let's imagine that this rope, it goes out the door, goes around all of Las Vegas. It keeps going out the West Coast, all the way across the Pacific Ocean, all the way over to Asia. Okay? This represents everything in eternity before the story of mankind begins. And here in this little section, I want to, I'm going to do my best here. We got this little orange section. Everybody, everybody tracking with me here? If you win the tug-of-war, here we go. I'm teasing. Good tug-of-war rope. But here in this orange section, I want, to, I want to just say, can we have this just represent God's creation? The beginning of mankind. Where are any history buffs in the house? Who loves history in the house? Raise your hand if you love. Show, throw some dates at me if you love history. Can we just start with Adam and Eve? Right? This is God's timeline. It goes out the door. It goes all the way to California. This rope has no end. And here we go. We're starting in God's timeline where he created man. Can we start with Adam and Eve? Is that okay to do that? Yes? You're, you're looking at me like I'm crazy. 
Well, then we start with Adam and Eve. Can we, can we skip ahead a little bit and then let's begin to talk about, well, I don't know, let's jump ahead a little bit to Abraham. Let's jump ahead to, to Moses and, oh goodness, can we jump ahead to King David? Uh, then can we talk about Jesus? Jesus coming, Jesus coming to the cross, dying, being risen again on that third day, ascending to the right hand of the throne of the Father. And then can we continue to, to talk about some history? When we're talking about man's timeline being so short, like I said, who was the 22nd president? Did anybody Google it yet? Grover Cleveland. Did they name Cleveland after him? They did. Oh, I'm just curious. Cool. Or Grover. But look at this, the timeline of humanity, right? We get to Jesus, and let's skip ahead. I think after Jesus, generally, I think of Paul, I think of Rome, right? I think of all the emperors. Then you think the fall of Rome, you go into the Dark Ages. We can skip ahead through history and go to, what could we talk about? The Renaissance, the Reformation. Just kind of keep sneaking along here on this, this timeline that is so quick. This mist, this vapor of our lives. My goodness, we can talk about America arriving on the scene, the Revolutionary War, the Civil War. We can mark through these eras. We got World War I, World War II, Vietnam. Goodness, the, the Great Depression, we could mix in there before World War II, right? We could talk about the 50s. Uh, we could talk about the 60s, the groovy 70s. How many of you enjoyed the 70s? There's some of you in here, you enjoyed the 70s a bit much, right? Somebody say amen. I'm just joking, kind of. No, I'm kidding. The greatest decade of all the 80s, because I was born in that decade. No, I'm teasing. I love the 90s music, though, more, right? And you just look, and, and, and maybe you're in here, any children of the 2000s. My kids are all the 2000s kids, right? The children of the new millennium. And you kind of just look at God's timeline, and we begin to realize what happens after we breathe our last breath. And we could start to go this way. Your life ends somewhere in here. We breathe our last breath, and we have all of this that follows. And we could just imagine this eternity timeline just continues to go can we say it goes out the door for imagination's sake and it just continues to go straight around las vegas right out arizona and we just begin to take this rope out the east coast all the way and it just it never 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 stops it's try, trying to understand eternity trying to understand what what god is about and how he, he views eternity we spend so much time, if, if we're really, really honest, what I want to close with is this. The reality is, I do it, you do it. We spend so much time focused on what's going on right in here. We spend so much time fighting and worrying about and accumulating things that are going to impact us right here. And yet, Scripture says what you need to worry about and what you need to fight for and what you need to understand is to worry about things that are going to last for all of eternity. What does the Bible say? You need, it, it, what does it matter? He, he, Paul says you need to worry about how you love. You need to worry about how you serve, how you live out your faith. 
you need to worry about one of the greatest ways, you know one of the greatest ways we can show how we love each other is through the words we speak. One of the greatest ways we can show that we love each other is, is through the way we type. Right? One of the greatest ways we can show we, we love each other is, is through the things that we do. And I want to say it like this. If, if something isn't going to matter all the way out here, why are we letting it distract us right now? If something isn't going to matter for eternity, why are we allowing it to be such a distraction? Why are we allowing it to get our, our blood pressure so high? Don't let it upset you. Don't let it distract you in this little moment here, but continue to fight for and live for what matters all the way out here and all the way out the door and all the way forever that wraps around, right? Continue to fight for that which matters, how you love, how you practice and live out your faith, how you hope, how you serve, how you speak. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time that we can get into your house and be challenged by your word. Lord, we ask that you would increase our sense of urgency when it comes to things that are related to eternity. God, continue to remind us that what we see now, what we want now, what we think we need now, what we think we agree with or want to fight about now, that it doesn't always matter in eternity. So help us, God, to live for that which lasts. Help us to fight for that which lasts. Help us, God, to see with your eyes who we need to bless. God, help us see with, with your eyes, may we be your eyes, your lips, that we would speak life into a situation, not damnation or destruction into people, but we would speak life into our coworkers. We would speak life online. God, that we would speak life into our homes that we would speak blessing and life into our kids. Give us the boldness, God, to activate and to stir up the gifts that you have given us. But not to prop us up and not to put us on a pedestal, but God, that we may see people come to Jesus, that we may live for and live out revival. Maybe you're here this morning and you're in church and quite frankly, you just feel like this heaven thing is cool. This eternity idea sounds amazing. It sounds almost too good to be true because you feel like you just aren't good enough. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel like you have fallen too far. You've been out of church for too long. You used to believe in this stuff when you were kids because mom and dad were cool. Then they brought you when you were in your khaki pants but you've just dropped it for a while. Maybe you think, God, you know, I'm just not good enough. I've blown it too much, too often. And if that's you this morning, I have a wonderful message for you. And that is you are absolutely correct. You are not good enough. The person next to you is not good enough. I'm not good enough. The Bible says that we aren't good enough, but Jesus was good enough. He was actually perfect for you. He actually died for you and he went to the cross for you and his blood was shed for you and his blood was meant to be a sacrifice to cover you. Maybe you're home watching online. I want you to, in a moment, maybe click on the button. But the Bible says that Jesus died on that cross and three days later God raised him. And that tomb is empty so that anyone, that includes you, who you have blown it and you know you have blown it. 
but that includes you, that anyone who would acknowledge him, no matter how dark your life has been, your mindset has been, no matter how bad your decisions have been, that if you call on the name of Jesus, the Bible says his name is above every other name, that you will be saved. There's some of you, maybe you are under the words of condemnation, that someone spoke the opposite of life into you that you remember hurtful words spoken to you. Well, there are lies that were spoken over you and to you because the Bible says there is no condemnation for those that are in Jesus Christ. So today, I want to just, that we, that God, we break the lies, the deception of the enemy, the deceiver, our enemy. And God, we ask that you would find freedom in Jesus. What I'm going to ask you in just a moment is just to declare that publicly. This is what Jesus said. He kind of said it like this. Hey, if you'll talk about me before people, if you will acknowledge me publicly, then I'm going to talk about you to my heavenly father. That's kind of the words of Jesus. If you talk about me now, if you acknowledge me now, I'm going to talk about you to my heavenly father. But if you don't represent me now, if you don't talk about me now, if you don't acknowledge me now, I, I, don't, I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know how I'm going to represent you before my Father. So one thing we like to do here is just say, you know, raise your hand. Make eye contact with me. Lift your head. Lift your hands. Lifting your hand doesn't mean Jesus saves you, but it is one way that we can say you're acknowledging Jesus. In a public fashion, you're saying, I'm going to acknowledge Jesus because I want him to acknowledge me. If that's you this morning... In front of God, in front of us here, I want, I want to just encourage you to boldly recognize that you have sinned, that you need forgiveness. And today is that day to turn it around. To just say, you know what? I'm leaving all that guilt. I'm laying all that guilt down. If that's you this morning, if you want to call on him, if you want to acknowledge him, he will hear your prayers, he will forgive your sins, and he will make you new. It's a pretty amazing deal. And not only will he make you new, he will make you new one day in eternity. Because what you believe about heaven now will impact you forever. So if that's you this morning, I believe there's many here that want to acknowledge Jesus today. I'm going to give you an opportunity. And if you're online, I want you to click the button online that says, I'm going to follow Jesus. But if that's you, I want you to just lift your hand or lift your eyes. And I'm going to just count to three. And I want your hands just to go up and acknowledge him this morning. One, two, and three. Go ahead and just lift them up and say, you know, I'm going to acknowledge Jesus in this house. I see you over here, young lady. I see you, young man, over there. I see you, young lady. I see you, young lady, over here and over here. We want to acknowledge him in this house. If that's you, if your hand is up, if you are watching at home, I want you to just simply pray. Because now that you've acknowledged him, Jesus says, I'm going to acknowledge you in front of my Father. I'm going to forgive you. Would you pray, church? There were some hands that went up and maybe some at home even. Can we all together say, Heavenly Father, come on, let's lift our voices. Heavenly Father, I want to trust you. I want to give my life to you. I want you to save me. I need forgiving. God, you know the ways I've blown it. And I ask you to make me new. I ask you to be my Lord. I ask you to be my Savior. Come on, church. And I ask you to be my King. God, help me live for what matters most. Help me live for eternity. In the name of Jesus, all God's people, can we say amen? Amen. Can we just praise him and give a clap offering and say, God, we want to see you move, right? Church, I want to challenge you. 
that we that again I said this last week we, we, we stop being followers of Christ that are simply praying for revival but we are followers of Jesus who are walking in revival amen that we are living revival that we're gonna see revival happen not only in our church not only in our city but we're because we're gonna activate revival and see it in our country amen God bless you can you stand to your feet as we go this morning and, and, and a little challenge we're going to go outside, and in just a moment, anybody who wants to hang out for a few minutes, we're going to have a baptism of a young man that grew up in our church. But maybe you're here this morning, and you will see Pastor Greg in the back. He's taking over from this point forward outside. But if you are here, and you may say, you know what? Today's the day. I've acknowledged Jesus, and now it's time. Guess what? In the New Testament, they didn't wait to get baptized. They said, now's the time. I'm going to be new right now. Maybe you're here this morning and you want to get baptized as well. So God bless you. If that's you, jump outside. We're going to go and hang out for a few minutes. God bless you. We will see you next Sunday. Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those who give to Cornerstone. You know, it's because of you, our ministry, it's possible. Uh, you can click the link in the description to give now or visit us at cornerstonelv.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe. You can share it with friends, share it with family. Help us spread God's word. You can also join us live every Sunday. We invite you, 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We stream service live. Thank you again for listening.